Take your Bibles, and I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 16. And this morning, we're talking about we're talking about vision this week. We're talking about direction for your life, vision, goals, those kinds of things. And um, in in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, there's this verse. You guys are familiar with this verse. It's somebody read this for me. Who's got that open? Yeah, go ahead. Real loud. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. There's a way that in my Bible it says there's a there's a way that seems right unto a man. You know, there's there's things that seem right. We're talking about vision today. There's things that seem right in our lives. You know, you know what I mean? Um, you go to school and they teach you things, and that seems right. You go to school and you hear you hear how to, you know, live your life, and you think, okay, that seems right. There's a way that seems right, but it's not right. And I was, I was thinking about this. Um, anybody ever done archery or maybe, you know, shooting guns? Probably all of you have shot guns, right? We're in North Carolina here. You guys have all shot guns before. Um, when you shoot at something, what do they, what do they tell you you got to do? You got to, you got to aim at your target, right? You've got to, you got to keep your eye on the target. What happens if you get your eye off the target, right? You're going to, you're going to hit something else. And usually you're going to hit what you're looking at. So don't be looking at somebody when you're shooting something. But I remember we went and, um, I think a few months ago, we took our kids to this, this, um, uh, campground and they had an archery time where the kids could shoot archery. And and I got to get in there too. And I was shooting the bow and arrow and stuff. It was a lot of fun. And, um, but Zion, my, my nine-year-old there, she was, she had the bow and arrow and she was shooting at stuff and she was actually doing really good. And then a few times she would kind of take her eye off the target and was looking somewhere else and not really concentrating. And the thing was flying like all over the place. And it was, it's just really amazing. You hit usually what you're aiming at, or at least in the general area, you'll hit what you're aiming at. And so we're talking about vision with your life. You're going to hit what you're aiming at. So I guess the question is, what are you aiming at? Hopefully you hit what you're aiming. At least you'll get closer than if you weren't aiming at all, but you're going to hit what you're aiming at. So what are you aiming at? And I remember the the movie. You guys have all seen the movie, um, The Incredibles, right? This is a great movie, an old older cartoon. And um, Mr. Incredible, he's this really, for a lack of a better word, he's an incredible guy, isn't he? He's just strong. He's just this fantastic sort of superhero guy. They show him in the beginning. I mean, he's just doing everything. There's nothing that guy can't do. And then as the movie progresses, you find him like selling insurance, and he's just the most just broken purse. He's just like so depressed. He's just sad. You can just see it on his face. He's just like so sad. And I think the reason was because he was so unfulfilled in his life. He knew he was called for something better, but he had to settle for less. And I, I think that's a lot of us sometimes, a lot of Christians anyway, I shouldn't say us. It's a lot of Christians. It's a lot of people in the world are living unfulfilled lives. They're living sad lives because they're not living to the potential that they have. And they got to be satisfied with something else. And um, here's here's the point. We got to live with the target in sight. Okay? Um, sometimes we, we're unfulfilled in life because we're not living life his way. We've got our eyes off the target. And I want you to, um, well, again, looking at this verse, Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seems right. There's a way that seems right. I heard this story about a lady 
Um, this is like a hundred years ago in Scotland, this lady was traveling around from town to town and she was selling like little things, buttons and things like this in every town that she would go to. And when she came to a crossroad, here's what she would do. She would find a stick and she'd throw it up in the air and whichever direction the stick landed, she would go that direction. Okay. So you're not sure which way to go. You just throw the stick. It fell that way. I'm going to go to the left. So one day a guy came down the road and here she is throwing the stick over and over and over. She's throwing the stick. He says, why do you keep throwing the stick? And she explains, well, whichever way the stick lands, that's the way I go. If it, if it lands and it points left, I go left. If it lands and it points right, I go right. He says, then why do you keep throwing the stick? He says, she says, well, the stupid stick keeps pointing left, but I want to go right. And sometimes that's like us. You ever pray like that? <laughs> Lord, I really want this. This is, you give me my heart's desire, and this is my heart's desire, and the Lord's like, that ain't good for you. That ain't good for you. If I give you your heart's desire in this situation, it's not good. Why? Because I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to get my purpose instead of his purpose for me. Does that make sense? Because sometimes we live our lives like this. We live our lives and we say, well, I'll give, I'll give Jesus this part of my life, but this is, when it comes to my career, that's my career. That's my choice. And we live our lives like we got a choice, but really to be happy, to be fulfilled, we say, Lord, what's your desire for me? Amen. What's your desire for me? So we keep throwing the stick until we feel like God gives us the yes. God said no. Well, I'll keep asking. I'll keep asking. Maybe this time he'll say yes. He says no. Keep throwing the stick. You get what I'm saying? There's a way that seems right. What happened when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden? There was a tree, and God told them, don't eat from this tree, right? What was the tree called? Oh, good. You guys knew that story. Okay. The knowledge of good and evil. There's a tree and the tree is a knowledge. Doesn't that seem like a good thing? A knowledge of good and evil. Why would God not want them to have knowledge of good and evil? I mean, that seems like a pretty basic thing. God, shouldn't you have given Adam and Eve a knowledge of good and evil anyway? Why is there a tree that gives them a knowledge of good and evil? And you said, don't take that. You ever, you ever stop and think about it now for a minute? God said, don't take from that tree of knowledge. What happened? They, they took from the tree, they ate the fruit, and suddenly, what's the first thing that happens? They see that they're naked. Uh-oh, we're naked. This is bad. We better, and, and this is how the, the fruit got into them, and it poisoned their minds, and they, they, they think, we have, to, we have to make a covering for ourselves. So what do they do? They, they sew leaves together. That's how deceived they were. Let's go make let's go make leave clothes, you know. Um, maybe you'd see that on the red carpet. I don't know Lady Gaga or somebody wearing something like that. But usually that's not something you make is leave, leave clothes. But they they made covering and and what was the problem? The problem wasn't so much that they were naked. Let me just be real honest for a minute. weren't they weren't they husband and wife? There was there was nobody else around but the animals. What was the sin in being naked? The sin wasn't so much the, the nudity. I'm not, I'm not proposing nudist colonies now. Okay, so get with me for a second. But what I'm saying is that wasn't the sin. Really what it was was the shame that came with eating from that tree. There was shame involved. They said, we've got to cover ourselves because we're, we're filled with shame. So here's the point. God said, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because you are never meant, you were never created to have a knowledge of good and evil apart from God. Apart from God, you can't know good. Because there's a way that seems right, just like Adam and Eve, this seems like a good idea. I can see that this is bad, that we're naked, we better make some clothing, let's make it out of leaves. There's a way that seems right, I think I know what's good, 
I think I know what I should do. I think I know the good things in store for my lives, for my life. And, and God says, no, 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 you don't have a clue. Because you can't know good apart from him. So that's the problem, guys. Sometimes we try to go through life and we try to say, Lord, what's what's your direction for my life? We, we go through life without, well, really without saying that word, like, Lord, what do you want from me? We try to go through life and say, I know what's good. But what we need to do is humble ourselves and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I think a lot of times we're afraid because we think, oh, that means I got to be a missionary or something. You know, it means I got to, if I say that, God's going to send me to Africa because he knows I don't want to go to Africa or something or China or someplace like that. And I'm going to have to eat weird things and not have a bed and all that kind of stuff. So we're afraid to ask God, but really it does say in the Bible that the Lord gives you the desires of your heart. Doesn't it say that? The Lord gives you desires. What does that mean? Let me, let me do this before we go there. Go to Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to try to do this quickly today, but I want you to understand a couple things. Go to Romans 12. Look at verses 1 and 2. We're going to talk about this verse probably um, quite a bit this year, but let me help you understand it. What does it say? Read that real loud for me over here. Noah. Anthony, I get the King James Version. Okay, let's go to somebody else. All right, go ahead. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay, let's stop right there for a second. So what does he say? Present your bodies as what? A living sacrifice. What's a sacrifice? Uh, giving up. Something you, something you give up? Something you give up for like a greater good. When you made a sacrifice in the Old Testament, what did you do? Killed it. You, oh, okay. You laid something on the altar... And did you take it home with you? No. It's done. You didn't bring that thing back to life. You didn't have a resurrection service. That thing was dead. You ate it. You know, a priest ate it and you got to eat some. It's dead. So now your body, it says as a living sacrifice, it's not promoting killing people. It's saying it's a living sacrifice, but what does that mean? You lay it down and you don't pick it up no more. You're done with it. It's really good. So that's the first step. Okay, so you want to know, because listen, we're going to get there. Okay, keep going. Keep reading that. As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. But God, my, my, my body doesn't look very holy. It doesn't look very pleasing. There's nothing good about this thing. No, he, when, you, when you offer it to him, he calls it holy and pleasing, right? Amen. Amen. Keep going. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, so offer your body as a living sacrifice. It's holy and it's pleasing to God. And be transformed by what? The renewing. You, how do you get transformed? You're re- renewing. renewing your mind. You renew, you've heard this before. You've got to renew your mind. What does that mean? you you got bad thinking. You think you know how to think. You think you know what's good, but there's a way that seems right. In the end, it's, de- it's destruction, it's death. There's a way that seems right. I think I got this figured out, Lord. I think I know what to do with my life. I think I know the vision, the direction for my life. I'll just ask you if I, if I run into any trouble, Lord, then I'll, then I'll talk to you about it. Is that what it says? Yeah. Be, be transformed by renewing your mind. That's how you get transformed. That means you don't, you don't know right. You don't understand right. You have to have his understanding in you. You have to have his way of thinking. So how do you get his thinking in you? 
you got to get His Word in you. Because if you get this Word in you, it starts telling you how to think. It starts telling you how to live. It's got all the answers, right? We gave you guys those little, those little necklaces that represent the Word of God. You keep that Word in you. Get that Word inside you, and the Word's going gonna, gonna to gonna correct your thinking. You know, because something comes up and you think, oh, I know what to do here. Wait a minute. Suddenly, the, it's like the Holy Spirit just gets old. No, you don't. No, you don't. And you start doing things. You start living His way, and you're going to see a difference. And what does it say? So be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then what? You'll be able to do what? Prove what is good and acceptable. Okay, I like that translation. You'll be able to discern the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. If you want to know God's perfect Good, pleasing will for your life. How do you do it? Two steps. Get rid of that body, your flesh, your desires, your wants, all the things that you think, I want to, Lord, I want this and I want this and I want this for my life. Get rid of all that stuff. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice and then be transformed in your mind. Be transformed in your thinking. We've got to learn how to think like He thinks so that we can know his will. I laid in bed one night. We were, on a, we were on a trip. I think we were in Michigan or something. And I laid in bed, and that verse just kept going over and over and over and over in my mind. I'm like, I got it. I, don't, I couldn't, like, I'd never had that happen before. It probably went through my mind like a thousand times, and I'm just laying awake like, Lord, what, why can't I sleep? What is this? And I, I felt the Lord say that to me like I'd never really caught it before, but suddenly it just like my eyes opened. You want to know my will? Offer your body as a living sacrifice. You want to know my will? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're talking about vision. We're talking about direction. How do I, how do I know what God's plan for me is? How do I, how do I know what I'm supposed to do with my life? Because I've been reading some things about like, what do you call it? Like life coaches. Have you guys heard of this kind of stuff? It's, I mean, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, what do I, what, what should I do with my life? I want to have direction for my life. But the problem is they all start from, from this standpoint. They say, they say, well, what do you, how do you want to be remembered? What do you want to do with your life? What kind of, what kind of things do you want to accomplish? And it's wrong thinking because really the way as Christians, the way we should be thinking is Lord, what do you want to do with my life? Lord, what do you, how do you want it's not even about me being remembered, Lord. It's about what can I do to serve the kingdom of God? There's a lot of people in this, in this world that try to live their lives so that they can have a, a legacy, but they're not living their lives to give him a legacy, to leave the kingdom of God, you know, a legacy. And so I, I think we have to get his thinking in us. I, I'm reminded of this. When Jesus um, was baptized, right, by John the Baptist, you guys remember this story? He came to John the Baptist to be baptized. And what, what was the baptism about? What was John's baptism about? Do you guys remember what it says in the Bible? John's baptism, Paul tells people, they, he says, were, were you baptized into Jesus when you were saved? And they said, no, we only had John's baptism. He says, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Of, yeah, water baptism for repentance. But he tells them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. So Jesus came to John the Baptist, who was baptizing people for repentance. And Jesus says, I want to be baptized. Why? Okay, set an example. But why did he need to be baptized for repentance? He didn't have, what did he have to repent of? He was sinless, wasn't he? So what was the point? Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. 
So what was the point? The point was him learning submission. And I think that's that's really the example for us, is submitting to the Father. That was probably a humbling thing for the Son of God to come and say, all y'all are being baptized because you're a bunch of sinners. Go ahead and baptize me too, even though I've never done any sin. He humbled himself and became obedient to the Father in everything. That was just one little thing. Nothing compared to going to the cross, you know. But he became obedient in everything. And so what's the point? We've got to learn how to submit to the Father. Because sometimes we have something in our lives that we want, and God says, no, that's not what I have for you. So we have to learn how to submit to his will. So when we, when we talk about this vision in just a couple minutes, uh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to let you guys just, just pray for a little bit. And throughout this week, just pray and say, Lord, what's the direction? What's the vision that you have for my life? And it's not a scary thing. It's not, he's not going to send you to Africa if he hasn't put that desire into your heart. So don't be afraid to ask it. Because I really believe he puts desires in your hearts to fulfill them. You know, but sometimes if, if we only run by the desires that we have in our, in our natural way of thinking, in our, in our, without him putting the desire within us, we run after things that we shouldn't be running after. Does that make sense? So let me, let me oh, this is, this is great. You know, sometimes I'm going to share this little story with you, and I'm going to get ready to close. But, um, you know, sometimes we have desires in our hearts, and people say, no, 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 that can't be, that's, that's not, that can't, that's impossible. That's never going to happen. You got to get something that's a little more down to earth. You got to start thinking a little more realistic. I think realistic dreams are from the devil. Because God doesn't give you realistic dreams that you can accomplish in your own strength. He gives you dreams that can't be accomplished any other way but through him working in your life. So if you've got some kind of little dream like, man, I'd really like to, you know, just do something. I really want to, you know, work at Subway for my whole life. And so, No, get a dream. Get a dream that God's put into your heart like, like Reinhard Bonnke when he says, I want to see Africa saved. That's a pretty big dream. Okay, get a dream in your heart. There, this is this is a true story. This is great. There was a guy over. It was over a hundred years ago. This was a guy, I was a, a pastor, a bishop is what they called him, and he he was preaching from his pulpit, and he declared it was impossible for what they called at the time heavier than air flight. What what he meant is it's impossible for man to fly. He preached from his pulpit. It's impossible for man to ever invent some machine that would take them up into the air. It's impossible. That's a pastor. He must be right. In fact, his name, his last name was Wright. He must have been right. He even published a magazine, and in the magazine, he wrote about how it was impossible. It was impossible for man to ever fly, but his last name was Wright, and he had two boys named Orville and, and uh, what was the other name? Wilbur, the Wright brothers, invented right? the airplane. His sons, with a father saying it's impossible, they said, no, we have a dream. We have a vision. It doesn't matter who comes against you and says, man, no, your dream is, is it's, it's impossible. Your dream will never happen. You get a dream from God and you run after it. You get a dream from God and run after it. So I want you to take some time and pray. And I want, I want to close with this scripture in Psalm chapter 20. This is one of my favorite verses. Look this up, Psalm chapter 20, verse 4. In my, let me read it in, in this translation, the Holman Bible. It says, may he give you what your heart desires and fulfill your whole purpose. 
me say it again. May he fulfill, may he, sorry, may he give you what your hearts desire and fulfill your whole purpose. God's, God's passion for you is that your purpose in life be fulfilled. God's purpose for your life is to, his, his dream for your life, his, his passion for your life is to fulfill your purpose. He created you. We talk about this all the time. God created you on purpose for a purpose. You're not an accident. It doesn't matter what anyone says about you. You're not an accident. God chose the time for you to be born. He chose the place for you to live so that you would seek him. And so God has a purpose for your life, and he wants to fulfill your heart's desire. Because when he puts the desire in your heart, he wants to bring it to fruition. And so I want you guys, if you would, just bow your heads for a minute. And take this, take this moment and just say, Lord, speak to me. Give me a vision. This might not be something that happens right in these next couple minutes, but as over the course of this next week, over the course of the next year, several years, maybe it'll change as you go through, um, as you go through time. But I just want you to take a moment because nothing happens unless we have our eyes on the goal. Unless we get a goal and a, and a vision, we can't aim at anything. The Word of God says, "My people perish for lack of vision." We got to have vision in our lives to know where we're headed, or else we're just running an aimless race all over the place. And so right now, just say, Lord, what's your vision for me? What's the, what's the desire that you're, that you're putting into my heart, that you're birthing in my spirit? Put something in me that's bigger than me, that's something that's bigger than I'm able to accomplish, that only you can do. Give me a, give me a God-sized dream. Because we've been, our theme for this year is infinitely beyond, that God's able to do infinitely beyond your greatest hopes, prayers, and dreams. God, give me a dream that's infinitely beyond anything that I can begin to imagine. So, Lord, I just thank you for each one. I thank you for speaking to them. Give them vision and direction in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just take a